0: This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton Presents Igniting Innovation, a new podcast series on the evolution of Edmonton's tech startup scene. Emily Rendell Watson explores how startups and investors are coming together to build what's next. You'll hear the stories of entrepreneurs, new and experienced tech investors, and those who are working to support the sector. Search for Igniting Innovation in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the app of your choice. You can also find it right now at presents.taprootedmonton.ca. have you ever experienced lost time
1: uh sort of explain not lost time in the large sense but i've lost an hour here or there just not keeping track of time i think it's much earlier than it
0: is or oh, time just kind of flies yeah you
1: think oh it must be lunchtime and you look and it's three o'clock and you're like oh
0: should probably have some lunch
1: yeah exactly yeah stuff like that
0: but not like big chunks of time i've
1: never lost a week
0: you haven't been, like, abducted by aliens.
1: Not that I know of.
0: And then just an hour has gone by. <laughs> you know, it's possible that people who report that they've, like, lost time on the highway simply go into that highway trance.
1: Mm-hmm, highway hypnosis.
0: Yeah, where you've been driving for a long time and everything just kind of blurs together and an hour goes by in a blink and you've just kind of blanked it out because it was so boring.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all the same. It just sort of blurred together. Yeah. Much like this pandemic. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or maybe hmm. aliens. Hmm. Who knows? Oh. It's possible. I bring up lost time because, of course, uh, a great swath of time has been lost to our protagonists.
1: Yeah. In that this was chapter. an interesting something-something, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, we had, we had, in fact, posited that maybe time also had no meaning in that void that they passed into. <laughs> maybe. And then, sure enough, that turns out to be the case. So, uh, I suppose we might as well recap uh, chapter 10 of our novel. Okay, real in, quick. In which uh, we descend into... The terrible wonderland that is the Darklands. Yes. And Tracker has a few misadventures with the strange dreamlike denizens of that realm. And then gets chased by a green ape monster into a hut where his friends lay paralyzed. And in order to escape the mad monkey, they flee through one of 19 strange doors into an inky void. When they turn around and reemerge from the door, they are in Congor. Hey! right where they want to be exactly where they want to be but are they when they want to be we will find that out as we segue into chapter 11 of black leopard red wolf by marlon james
1: no no we already know that
0: so this begins part three of our novel one child more than six yes Uh, The saying is Nagase Ana Arkusa Uradan Garkusa Ishamuni. What's that mean? It is Swahili. Okay. For even so, owning one is still beyond the reach of the average person. (laughs) All right. That is what it says. Hmm.
1: Ah, the slogan of the cheap yacht.
0: (laughs) The slogan of the cheap yacht?
1: Yeah, a cheap low-level yacht.
0: Still beyond the reach of the average person. Still
1: beyond the reach of the average person. There you go.
0: Well, I I somehow suspect that Tracker is not eyeing up a cheap yacht at this time. (laughs) He's got uh, bigger issues. I thought you were going to say bigger fish,
1: and I was like, no, let's not make a boat joke.
0: No, no, he certainly does not have bigger fish at this time. Uh, In fact, he gets kind of chided for trying to think about the bigger fish in this chapter. (laughs) We're getting Uh, ahead of ourselves again. Yeah, we we do get a map of Congor here. It does indeed have a maze of roads, as we were...
1: Yep, as we were suspected.
0: Uh, and we're told. We're told, in mm-hmm. fact, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, because we were given, of course, the map of Malakal last chapter, where much of the action took place. Yep. And in the first part, we were given a map of the region, which includes Malakal and Kongor, actually. So mm-hmm. we're we're kind of zooming in, in the different parts on the areas where we're at. Yeah. Uh, I also noted we did not start with the Inquisitor this time. We just kind of launched right into where we left off.
1: Oh, that's true. I didn't even notice.
0: We start off with on the witch catching up with Tracker. We find out very quickly that it's taken about three days for the worst of the effects of the Mad Monkey's bone dust to wear off of Leopard, Fumali, and Sadogo. But the three of them are still not in any fit shape to continue the investigation.
1: Yeah, they're still kind of time. a mess.
0: She also tells Tracker it took her about four days to reach Congor, And then she spent a month there waiting for them to arrive.
1: Yeah, he only spent one night in the Darklands. Like, just one. He swears up and down it was just one.
0: Yeah, he can't quite wrap his head around the time distance here. And indeed, when it really starts to sink in that they lost a month of time in the Darklands, he he gets kind of indignant about it. Because he's real upset that the Darklands stole a month of his life.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, just,
0: what a terrible place.
1: And the other argument I love is... Uh, him saying, well, I've been to the Darklands before and that didn't happen. I didn't lose any time. And her reply is beautiful. It's like, well, who was keeping track for you on the other side? Yeah. You might have lost a year and not even known it.
0: Because who who would care enough about you, the tracker, to tell you if you had lost a month or, oh. or, a, or a year?
1: Just twist that knife.
0: Uh, that said, there's a different magic here at work, too, which isn't really taken into account at this juncture of the chapter, and that is the fact that they passed through this mystical door. Yeah. The Darklands itself might not have sapped that month from them it could have been that magical journey
1: oh i didn't even think about that that which, makes sense which
0: neither sogalon nor tracker really take into account here and it is the one difference from the last time he was in the darklands mm-hmm. certainly didn't take a magic tunnel somewhere else no
1: maybe you're right maybe it was the door
0: indeed mm. Sogolon makes it pretty clear she didn't enjoy the wait apparently she has a history in Congor. not super fond of the city
1: <laughs> yeah she really does not care for this place or any of the men that live in it.
0: Or really any of the men who live anywhere. That's true. From the sounds of it. She yep. barely tolerates Tracker because he's only like half a man <laughs> Through in many of the cultures of this region. She also suggests she's well over 300 years old. Yeah. Which Tracker catches. Right. Uh, he doesn't quite believe her. He's like, mm, she's one of those old people who's so old that she's lost track of how old she is. She's but, just
1: boasting about how old she is. But, I mean, she's magic. Uh, you never know, right? I don't know in this world. I don't know.
0: Yeah. They're apparently lying low in a storage house of some merchant or lord who owes her some favors. And she's kind of arranged for the law.
1: Quite, quite a few favors to hear her tell it.
0: Yeah. And this is a good bolt hole for them to uh, wait out the effects of this bone dust. Because again, Fumali Leopard and Sadogo have not completely shaken off the worst of it.
1: Yeah. Like we said before, they're not exactly in great shape yet.
0: While they talk, Sogolon does ultimately bring up those 19 doors and whereas he was suspicious of this whole we've lost a month story of hers she's suspicious of this 19 magical doors story of his because <laughs> apparently these are pretty rare uh rumors persist that they may be like gateways that the gods use when they're traveling through the mortal realm apparently wizards have spent lifetimes just searching for one of them and tracker just happens upon one In the Darklands.
1: Just smells it out. Yeah. Yeah. Conveniently.
0: She's a little incredulous about it. But she also can't fully discount it. She doesn't not believe him. She just doesn't believe him. (laughs) Right. While the two of them are chatting, they do note the amount of mercenaries arriving in the town as well. Yeah,
1: there's a whole bunch of them just walking through the streets.
0: Yeah, this is kind of a background note. The Seven Wings mercenaries are afoot. B.B. Dateman's old troop. Yep. Tracker wonders what's going on, and Sogolon hints that there have been rumors that wars are brewing in the past month while they've been in the wind. She also kind of tells him not to worry his head about the moves being made by the big players in the world, because essentially, the way she tells it, he is a pawn who can barely see the board. She's not entirely wrong. She's not entirely right, either. No. Tracker's cannier than a lot of people give him credit for. That's true. Uh, Tracker also asks after the girl they rescued from the Swamp Trolls. Yes. From the Zogbanu. Yes. And uh, Sogolon confirms, yeah, she's still with me. I've been looking after her. And Tracker's like, we should probably ditch the girl. Like, she'll be fine in Concord. And Sogolon's like, no, not going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Again, don't trust any of these men. Not going to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, starting to like her more and more. I think Sogolon kind of has found herself a protege here, too. That's certainly the implication. Yeah, are we Yeah. She does also confirm that in the month that they've been waiting, she has not yet checked out Basu Fumanguru's place. Uh, she was basically waiting for them first. And Tracker's like, well, cool, let's go tonight. And she's like, nah, not so fast. <laughs> we should wait until the rest of our troop is recovered.
1: Have you been, not been watching your friends in their sorry states? Yeah,
0: and uh, let's be fair, the boy's not getting any more missing. <laughs> like,
1: It's true. We...
0: We're not in a huge hurry. The
1: witch speaks reason.
0: Tracker's a little impatient to kind of get on with it, but she is not wrong.
1: I think mostly he's just sore about missing an entire month.
0: Yeah. Also because it means that Nasaka and Nika have like a month head start on whatever their plan was. Well, I
1: don't don't know if it's a head start, but at least a month extra worth of time. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure that Tracker doesn't exactly want to be beaten to the boy by those guys.
1: No, probably not.
0: The conversation with Sogolon having kind of drawn to a conclusion, Tracker decides to go check on the rest of the team. Uh, He starts by checking on Sadogo. He's doing much better than Fumali and Leopard are.
1: He is still very talkative.
0: And very angry. He's real upset that the mad monkey got one over on him, and he's itching for a rematch. (laughs)
1: Yep, which is a terrible idea. Yeah,
0: and uh, Tracker kind of talks him down and is like, look, Dude, we're we're not going back in the Darklands. You were kind of an idiot for having followed Leopard and Fumali in there in the first place. Are you still on board for finding the boy, or do you want to go back and fight the monkey? And Sadogo's like, "No, I'm cool. We'll 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 find the boy." But you just uh, know
1: in the back of his head, he's like going back for that monkey someday. He's
0: going back for that monkey someday. Leopard has also recovered quite a bit. Um, his strength still has not fully recovered, but I mean, he's up.
1: Oh, and he is cranky. Very
0: cranky. He's cranky about everything from Kongor's sewage system to Tracker.
1: Just, oh, he's just irate.
0: Yeah, and ultimately that means that he and Tracker have a little fight here. Leopard is acting brash. He's demanding to leave, but he's still weak as a kitten. He can barely stand. And he kind of gets offended when Tracker laughs at him about it. And Tracker finally calls him out here and he's like, you know, for a guy whose motto used to be nobody loves anyone, that Fumali sure has you wrapped around his finger. Like he's calling the shots here and you don't even see it because you're so smitten with him. And Leopard gets huffy and is like, fine, you know what? I don't need you. I'll go complete the job on my own. And Tracker's like, yeah, good luck with that. Tracker tells him basically in no uncertain terms, you know what? You can stay or you can get lost. It's your choice. I don't even care anymore. (laughs)
1: You're going to be like, that, fine. Take my ball
0: and go home. uh, No, he's telling him to take his ball and go home. I know. He makes it clear, though, that next time you get in trouble, I'm not going to be there to save you. I'm not sticking my neck out for you again if this is the thanks I get.
1: Yeah, but we know it's not true, right?
0: Uh, He actually passes Fumali on his way out and, like, shoulders him as he goes by. That
1: jerk thing that you do in the hallway where you purposely bump somebody with your shoulder.
0: And because Fumali's not fully recovered from the incident with the Mad Monkey, he's just floored (laughs) instantly. (laughs) And And he's also
1: cranky about it. And he
0: gets huffy and orders Leopard to go after Tracker. And Leopard goes to do so. But obviously can barely get up off his feet. Tracker finds it almost adorable. (laughs) <laughs> that leopard tries. And that kind of jumped out at me. The fact that Fumali really is calling the shots here.
1: Mm-hmm. Or at least today.
0: Yeah. Leopard needs to get over himself. Agreed. So does Fumali. We'll, we'll get back to that. I'm going to stick a pin in that because I want to talk about it a little later. Okay. Also, I did notice something here. Tracker kind of throws leopard's old motto back in his face here, but he uses a weird double negative when he repeats it here and he says, nobody loves no one, which double negatives itself into everyone loves someone.
1: It's true. I don't know if he means it that way. But he
0: does say it that way. Yes. I don't know. It jumped out at me because the double negative caught my eye here. And I am mm-hmm. i don't know if it was intentional or if it was uh, a little slip of the tongue by Tracker here, but the double negative does turn it into the positive.
1: Yeah. Or it might just be the way he talks.
0: And indeed, it seems that Leopard does have feelings for at least one young man. Mm-hmm. And it ain't Tracker. Tracker gets himself dressed, uh, because modesty is a thing in Congor that he hopes doesn't get exported to the rest of the region. (laughs) Uh, And he slips out that evening, not really wanting to deal with the attitudes at the safe house. (laughs) That's fair. He keeps some knives handy, having lost his hatchets back in the Darklands, along with his horse. And uh, doesn't see a lot of people about, and kind of gets a weird look from uh, some kid on the street. He asks about it, who's like, everyone's off at the Masquerade. We never get to the Masquerade. No. Curious what that's about. (laughs) Tracker does not head to this masquerade. He instead heads to Miss Wadada's House of Pleasurable Goods and Services.
1: Which is the best name for a house of ill repute ever.
0: It is a mouthful, but it is delightful. I loved it. Apparently he's a regular here whenever he's in Congor. Miss (laughs) Wadada's very familiar with him. And in particular, he is a regular of a male companion he calls Ikoye.
1: Is that how you say it? Ikoye?
0: I assumed it was Ikoye. He partly goes to Ikoye for the pleasure, but also because Ikoye apparently is a good source of information Mm. in Kongor. He he knows some things. And Tracker has some questions. They have a little roll in the hay, and afterward, Tracker takes the opportunity to bring up Basu Fumanguru. And that gets Ikoye's attention. He starts out by saying, okay, well, everyone knows about Basu Sr., but no one really talks about the guy. And then he confirms the cover story. House was afflicted by plague, probably brought on by river spirits or something. No one goes near the place anymore.
1: See, this isn't any new information for Tracker, though. He already's heard all this.
0: But more importantly, he knows that this is the public lie. And not even the public lie, it's the private lie for the people who go looking for information. And that means that Okoye has been fed that line by someone. And Mm -hmm. Tracker clues into that immediately. He asks Ikoye, what if I paid you more? (laughs) (laughs) And Ikoye finally is like, all right, follow me, and leads him through a secret tunnel. tunnel! Uh, There's a fun moment while they're going through the secret tunnel where Tracker thinks to himself that he can't really identify where they're going based on scent. And Ikoye immediately is like, oh, you can't smell where we're going, can you? And Tracker's like, what, you can read minds now? And Koye uh, <laughs> essentially tells him, when you're being so obvious about it, anyone can. But let's be fair. I'm in the job of reading people. And Tracker actually finds that quite amusing. <laughs> he's like, no, that makes sense, yeah. Well,
1: that's true.
0: They end up a fair distance from the brothel, actually, on the roof of a gold merchant's building. Uh, based on what Okoye tells him. And it's here that Okoye tells him a very different story about Basu Sr., one that seems to actually line up with the story that the goddess told him. Yes. Apparently, whatever happened to Basu Sr. involved murder and possibly monsters. Witnesses apparently saw, quote, men in black in the house attacking everyone, which, I mean, could be mundane assassins, could be omaluzu.
1: Again, this isn't a lot of... New information to Tracker.
0: No. What is new information to Tracker, though, is that afterward there were no funerals, no burial rites, no tributes. No nothing. And Basu Fumanguru was a big deal in the politics of the kingdom. The fact that he died and then nothing was interesting and certainly implies that something's going on. And that is kind of new information. The other new information that Tracker receives is that a wild thorn bush apparently grew around the house, like, overnight after that happened.
1: Not mysterious at all.
0: Ikoye says no one really goes into the house anymore, partly because of the rumors of the plague and partly because the wild thorn bush which grew around it. But he does mention that a few of the elders have visited the house. Tracker at first is like, yeah, but I mean, they would probably show up after he died to check it out. And Ikoye confirms no, no. Not right after he died, like in the last year a few of them yeah, showed up.
1: like recently.
0: Searching the place. In particular, Belakin the Big was there.
1: <laughs> Which I'm sure made Tracker go, really? Yeah. How interesting.
0: Um, apparently while the elders were in town, Ikoye overheard that they were looking for something. Something important enough that if they didn't find it, their lives were on the line. And he believes that it might have been a writ against the king that Basu Sr. either had put together or was putting together. Something, from the sounds of it, that was pretty damning. Right? However, it must not be in the house. It's got to be in the wind somewhere, otherwise they probably would have found it. And the implication is that they have not. Moreover, there's a bit of a a time issue here, because the king, in his rounds of the kingdom, is on his way to Congor. Probably having already been in Malakal in the missing month.
1: (laughs) One would assume.
0: Uh, in fact, his chancellor, apparently, is already in town making preparations. And uh, we learn a little bit about the chancellor here. He's a dark man with red hair. And something about that description sounds familiar to Tracker. But we don't really get...
1: Yeah, it kind of rings a bell for him. Yeah. And I assume that we'll get back to it
0: later. We We don't in this chapter. But nope. something to keep in mind.
1: I assume it's coming.
0: Now, it's at this juncture that Okoye tries to poison him with a mouthful of black dust.
1: <laughs> yes. Which... Um, which... Let's all raise your hands if you saw it coming. I thought so.
0: Um, we, we cannot see you if you did raise your I hands.
1: I trust you raised your hands.
0: Tracker apparently largely unaffected by this. Because, again, uh, many of the crafts made by men apparently cannot harm Tracker. <laughs> who, who might be invincible at this juncture? It's hard to tell. I don't know. Tracker does, however, threaten him for more information and, and frankly, for an antidote.
1: Well, uh, yeah, just in case, I guess.
0: Yeah. Ekoye um, fesses up under duress, the duress of being hung over the side of the building by I his love, foot. It's the
1: it's the classic Hollywood hang him out a window trope. Yeah. Except he's hanging him over the edge of the building. It amused me.
0: Ekoye uh, says that he was ordered to use the poison on anyone who came asking after Basu. It wasn't anything personal. It wasn't a directed attack on Tracker. It was just his orders. He says, the person who paid him to do this was a man in blue veils and robes with blue fingernails.
1: Mm, that Tells me nothing about who it is.
0: And then after he had poisoned the Inquirer, uh, he was to release the bird in his room so that uh, men would know to come to collect the body or what have you. Uh, Tracker calls him a fool. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> first of all, even if you have the antidote to that poison, it's going to take years off your life. So... He also wonders why, years after the fact, men came to Ikoye with this job regarding Basu. Ikoye kind of laughs at this and is like, because people always come back to me. People always come back to the brothel. Because people like you, Tracker, are predictable.
1: <laughs> well, I... Here's the thing. He's not wrong at all.
0: No, Tracker... Doesn't admit that in the moment, but he knows it. Oh, he yeah. knows it well enough that uh, he drops Okoye off the roof <laughs> in retaliation just, for the...
1: Bitter like, spite.
0: Yeah. A survivable fall, but one that would certainly hurt. Um, Tracker heads back through the tunnel to Okoye's room and does a little snooping. Finds the bird. Yeah, he uh, he lets loose the pigeon to see what will happen, but not before taking the note attached to her leg and taking a look. And he notices that it's written in glyphs that seem familiar, but he can't...
1: Yeah, he has no idea what it actually says, but he's seen it before.
0: He then moves the chair over into the dark corner and waits to see who comes. And he doesn't have to wait very long, because uh, after a short time, a man arrives climbing through the window without rope, notably. Just, like, scaling the wall like a spider.
1: Very ninja-esque.
0: He is certainly dressed like an assassin, all wrapped up and unidentifiable. Yes. Um, Tracker greets him with a stab to the neck.
1: (laughs) Like, under his chin, right? Like, into his head.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Ambushes the man and just, like, straight murders him. Then gets to work unwrapping the man to try to identify him.
1: <laughs>
0: the man is largely unidentifiable.
1: No, it's true.
0: Uh, he has... Cause he's, he's made is... of
1: scary black dust.
0: Uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, the first thing he notes, the man is a eunuch. Uh, and the second is that his body is covered in, like, ritual scarification in patterns mm-hmm. and in in glyphs similar to the ones that he, he read on the scroll, yep. he also notices the man has no smell, which is very off-putting to Tracker, a, a man who knows things by their smell first and foremost, and in hindsight realizes the man has no blood. He stabbed him in the neck and there was no arterial spray. Yeah, there was, there was nothing. nothing. And it's at this juncture that the man erupts into a cloud of blackness, which just pours out of his mouth.
1: Yeah, like a weird black magic foggy dust.
0: Which, like, swirls around like a Tasmanian devil and then flies out the window. Yeah. And then the body promptly crumbles into dust. And Tracker is dumbfounded. This is magic the likes of which he has never witnessed before. Right? And he's legitimately like, what was that?
1: <laughs> that was creepy. So then, then Tracker's brain starts working. Yeah. Wheels start turning.
0: He's got a lot of questions here. And he suspects that Bunchy might have some answers, because as he posited earlier, while she is honest, she's not exactly direct. And That's while, she, while yeah. she won't lie to him, she won't necessarily tell him the truth. But the, the, what he's kind of puzzled out here is that people not only murdered Basu with dark sorcery, they're, they're currently now working to ensure that he stays dead, uh, is the way that Tracker puts it, that nobody digs up what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, And and are actively trying to stymie any investigation into him. He also recognizes that it's weird that Basu would be targeted for a writ against the king. Something men present in court every day, and nobody cares.
1: It seems like a huge overreaction to kill him over something like that.
0: He also wonders, though, if the boy was the one marked for death, why not ensure that he was dead earlier? That's very curious. Right? Yeah. And that's around the Point where it hits tracker that the boy wasn't Basu's child. He must have been someone else's.
1: Yeah. Or at least probably.
0: The assassin wasn't necessarily waiting for someone to come asking after Basu. They were waiting for someone coming to ask after the child because they're looking for the child.
1: Yes. Everyone's looking for this child now.
0: Well, I mean, we already knew the king's men were looking after the child, but now it's possible more people are. Mm -hmm. Unless these are more of the king's men.
1: Well, that could be too.
0: Yeah. Either way, the mystery is definitely deepening.
1: Right? The major question I have now is, who is this kid?
0: Now, obviously, we know the king is responsible for murdering Basu. That's, That's fairly straightforward. Everyone seems to know that that's the case. Yeah. So we're not going to point any fingers there. The real question is, who is this child? Right? And I think the child is not Basu's boy, but is in fact the child of the king. Very good. Yeah. I think that there's something about this boy's parentage that is not only royal, but scandalous. And that if the truth of his parentage linking him to the king came to light, it would be ruinous for the king in a significant enough way that it made Basu a threat for having the boy, and it makes the boy's continued existence a threat to the king.
1: Yeah, there's something devastating about the existence of this child.
0: Yeah. But you had a different theory.
1: Well, I was thinking about it, and my thought was if it's possible that the king has an older brother and this child was his nephew... Who has a better claim to the throne than he does.
0: It's possible. We don't know if King Quash has any other siblings, alive or dead. Right. So it's hard to say.
1: So that's the only thing I can think of that would be devastating to a king. Is for someone to have a more legitimate claim to the throne than him.
0: Well, and again, the only other thing that I can think of is that the boy is related to the king but in such a way that it presents a threat to the king's position. A threat enough that foul sorcery needed to be brought to bear.
1: Yeah, because having a bastard child, to me, doesn't feel Yeah, who cares? Devastating.
0: Uh, so it would have to be some sort of scandalous liaison leading to that bastard child. That would be really damning. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to say. We we simply don't have enough information at this time. No. And all of this is very, as you say, baseless speculation.
1: Yes. It's me just taking a guess.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I just want to also mention, and we had put a pin in this earlier because I wanted to bring this up here. I'm starting to really hate everyone that Tracker is traveling. <laughs> They're all a
1: bunch of jerks.
0: Kind of, yeah. Everyone has a giant chip on their shoulder. And it took me most of this chapter to realize what was rubbing me the wrong way. What's that? I have come to the point in the book where I quite like Tracker. He's sensible. He's grown up. He's the only grown up in the room. And it's interesting because we thought Tracker was insufferable in part one. And it's dawned on me that the reason why Leopard and Fumali and Sogolon in particular are rubbing me the wrong way is because they are acting like Tracker in part one. They are obstinate. They are... Uh, impertinent. Impertinent. They're up their own butts, and <laughs> Fumali in particular is Tracker from ten years ago. <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely. Which
0: is one of the reasons Tracker hates him so adamantly. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's the reason why all three of them are just kind of rubbing me the wrong way at the moment.
1: No, that's legit.
0: <laughs> but I do hope everyone gets over themselves and starts working together so we can solve this mystery. I hope so. The the title is Black Leopard Red Wolf. So my assumption is that at some point Leopard and Tracker are going to reconcile.
1: That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this book is is throwing us the occasional bone and I feel like I should have enough pieces to put something together, but I I haven't been able to. So my guess is I actually don't. I don't I don't have enough pieces to try and figure out what's actually happening.
0: Yeah, this is this is layers of an onion. It's not an incomplete puzzle like it was in our previous novel, where we weren't given all of the pieces until practically the the very, very, very end, end so that we could finally make sense of what was going on. In this case, we're we're being presented with a story, and then we're slowly peeling black layers to reveal more story. And in this case the story is very straightforward the king had a political rival murdered, but now the question is Why did he have him murdered? And, oh, maybe he wasn't actually targeting that rival. Maybe he was targeting someone else in the house. And why would he have been targeting that person? So it's... Maybe he's not
1: done murdering yet.
0: Yeah, we were presented with with an answer, but the answer isn't complete. And that's a different kind of mystery.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm enjoying it anyway. This is... It's a fascinating book.
0: Yeah, it's very good so far. And I'm looking forward to reading more. Hopefully... We will get more answers as we uh, get into Chapter Twelve, uh, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Uh, Tracker and his party are very lucky to have patronage going into this quest of theirs, having been hired on by uh, both the slaver and the goddess, respectively. And uh, they've been kind of bankrolling the uh, the mission so far, in as much as it's allowed Tracker to be able f- to flash some cash to gain some information. This mm-hmm. episode, the benefits of a patron are that you can continue to do things like gather information or host a podcast. And thankfully, we have the patronage of many wonderful sponsors on the Alberta Podcast Network. And Anita is here to tell you all about one of them. Sure am.
1: Park Power is owned by Chris Kazowski, who has a growing and well-deserved reputation for being a guy who cares. If you're in the Edmonton area, you may have seen him around town in his signature bow tie, supporting local causes and boosting local business. He walks that talk with his business. It's why Park Power shares its profits with local charities. As a new customer, you can choose a community partner to receive 10% of the proceeds from your electricity bill, like the CKUA radio network. Visit parkpower.ca slash CKUA to find out more.
0: Yeah, Park Power. They're good people doing good things. (laughs)
1: Sorry, I felt like I should have something to say there, but I couldn't think of anything.
0: It's all good. You can check out other wonderful podcasts hosted by the Alberta Podcast Network right now Mm -hmm. on the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com.
1: Yeah, easy to find.
0: Yeah, there's tons of great podcasts there on innumerable subjects. Uh, From the local, if you are located in Edmonton or Alberta, to the national, all across Canada, to the international. Things of general interest for those of you who are tuning in from abroad. And thank you, as always, for spending some time with these two little Canadians with their little podcast.
1: We appreciate you.
0: If you appreciate us in return, you might consider giving us a little rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. We would appreciate it. You can also drop us a line on social media.
1: Absolutely, again. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those.
0: Yeah. And I mean, don't feel like you can't reach out to us if you're listening to this episode months later.
1: Oh yeah, we don't care when you listen to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you just got into meddling kids, drop us a line about it. If you if you just picked up The Municipalists, let us know. We are happy to chat about the previous books we've discussed as much as we are happy to discuss the books that we're currently in the middle of uh, reading.
1: (laughs) If we are six books away from this book and you're just listening to this message now, it's okay to drop us a line anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you want to drop us a lengthier line, you can do so via email.
1: Our address is thereadalong at gmail.com
0: And as always, we love you very much. And we'll see you next time.
1: Okay, bye!